0: So, um, if you haven't, grab a handout before you come in. Uh, I'll say again that we're going through evangelism while traveling today, um, and uh, it's interesting that we did uh, evangelism and spiritual warfare last week because I can't think of a more appropriate time to talk about spiritual warfare than when you're traveling, right? Um, because you are stressed out, you um, sometimes are tired, you're dealing with people that um, yeah, you may not normally deal with, and so. It seems like you're in spiritual work or when you're try, just trying to get you to your destination sometimes, whether you're, you're flying or you're taking the train, the bus, you're just commuting to work. Um, all of those things, you know, you can consider evangelism while traveling. And so we want to we look at what that is, um, some of the things surrounding how we think about it, how we approach it. Uh, we're going to be spending time in Acts chapter 8 today and look at one specific case from uh, the Word where there was some evangelism while traveling. And yeah, hopefully we'll get some, some good things from it. A little bit about my history. So I've been a believer for a long time, and I didn't really think about evangelism while traveling a lot of times. Uh, my focus was, okay, I'm, I'm here. I need to get to this meeting or this conference or you know, back home, and so I want to get there as, as quickly as possible with as less stress or whatever uh, along the way. And so that, that began to change over time. Just God warmed my heart to actually um, use the opportunities that were presented. Uh, but a couple years ago, I had a chance to do the internship uh, at Delray. And one of the things that we did in the internship was we had this, this focus on personal evangelism, making sure you were sharing your faith in every opportunity that you got. And uh, it was just, it was a wonderful period where me and um, a group of four other brothers, we, we were preparing for just this time where we were going to be sharing a lot more of it. And so we just started encouraging one another, hey, you travel here, wh- wh- who'd you talk to, what happened? I mean, we were talking with every Uber driver that we got <laughs> in the car with. We were talking with people that um, were blessed enough to sit next to us on a plane or a bus ride. Um, you know, you, you're in a plane, that person's there with you for a couple hours and yeah, they, can't, they can't go anywhere. So it's a good opportunity um, to do that. And so, yeah, it, it, what I discovered and learned is that it may be daunting when you first start. I know it certainly was for me to just regularly do that. Um, but the more you actually share your faith, the more that you um, actually get into the practice of doing it while you're actively traveling, the more comfortable you become, um, the more used to doing it you become. And so if you're here today and this is something that seems a little scary to you, just you've never met somebody before and you're commuting and you don't know what to say or how to do it, um, my prayer is that as we go through this, that Um, that would change for you and that you start a regular habit of being able to um, speak with those that you come in contact with um, while you're traveling. So I've kind of split it up into three uh, three different sections. We're going to talk about four observations from the passage. And then we're going to talk about four ways to better evangelize while you're traveling. And then we'll finish up with four reasons why we don't evangelize while traveling. Um, So if you can, turn to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to be reading verses 26 through 40. And while you're turning there, I'll kind of give you a context as to what was going on during this time. So if you're familiar with the book of Acts, um, in Acts chapter 7, uh, you had Stephen getting up um, and speaking to um, kind of the, the gathered leaders of Israel um, and him giving a, a, a fiery Um, firm explanation of the faith that he held. Um, He was the very first martyr. And so you had that whole scene happen in chapter 7. And so at the end of chapter 7, Stephen is killed. And then what starts? What happened at the end of chapter 7 in the beginning of verse 8? Anyone know? Scattering, Scattering, right? The first great persecution of the church. And so persecution hits. Stephen is killed. And believers in Jerusalem, because that's where it happened, began to scatter because they were started being hunted. So Saul, that's when Saul first started um, actively persecuting and hunting down Christians. And so at that time when the persecution happened, uh, Philip, who was one of the deacons at the time, and he was one of the people that were actively um, known as a, a believer in Christ, he left. And I have a little map there on the side. If, if you are looking at your handout, Jerusalem's kind of in the, the middle, lower, lower side of that. And so what occurred was that Philip was in Jerusalem, And when everyone scattered, he went north up to Samaria, um, about 50 miles north. Um, Of course, there is no um, buses or Greyhounds, so this is a walk. Um, So he walked 50 miles north um, to get to Samaria. Uh, Philip did some some preaching and um, witnessing up there, and uh, praise God, they saw people coming to faith at that time, and so he traveled up there. Um, While he was up there, um, after he'd been there for some time, Uh, Peter and John came up from Jerusalem to just kind of witness and see what was going on. Um, And then after that, he ended up traveling back down south to Jerusalem. So another 50 miles to get to Jerusalem. Well, when um, Philip gets to Jerusalem, he's told by the Spirit, all right, well, you're not staying here. I want you to continue going south down to Gaza. Um, And so he travels another approximately 42 miles walking down to Gaza. So I want to paint the picture that Philip had been traveling for quite some time. We, I mean, he was tired probably. Um, He did not just travel and then relax once he got up to Samaria. No, he was actively working in ministry that whole time. And then he went back south and then he didn't get a break. It's like, nope, the the angel said, hey, it's time for you to go down to Gaza. And he he was not being sent to a scenic destination. We'll we'll see kind of the description in a second. Um, But it's to get the picture that a lot of times we think about traveling. We're thinking about how tired we are. um, yeah, how, how stressful it can be. But we see that Philip was put into that situation um, in that text. So Acts chapter 8, can someone read uh, verses 26 through, let's say, 30, 32, and then someone read 33 through 40.
1: Come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, and so he opens not his mouth.
2: In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. Then the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water
0: and the first thing that, that I noticed um, in this passage, as we're looking at Philip and, and his engagement, was that Philip was observant. He was observant. Um, he was traveling alone, and he was obviously looking out for what was going on, and he saw this eunuch, you know, the, the Spirit told him about this eunuch that he saw. And so he, he went over to him, uh, and he, when he went over to him, he saw that he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. So. Um, He he was observant enough to see that there was someone there. He looked to see what he was actually reading. He was engaged with his environment. Um, And quite often when it comes to evangelism and traveling, one of the first hurdles that we have to overcome is actually being observant to our surroundings. Um, Sometimes we're just so focused on um, getting from point A to point B, uh, whether it's getting into work on time or whether it's um, getting the kids to whatever activity they're doing, whether it's trying to catch the plane that we're, we're about to fly on, we fail to observe our surroundings, the people that are around us. Um, and really, that, that's the first one of the first steps that you have to look at when you are traveling. It's being observant to the world around you. How many, how many times can you think about that something happened around you that you missed that you realized after the fact, like, oh, wait, that happened, I, I could have had this opportunity, or um, wow I really wish I would have thought about that in the moment. Um, so we actively need to get into this this habit or practice of just being observant to, to what 's going on around us. Um, we see that clearly in the text that, that Philip was observant to um, where he was. Um, it's interesting too that you have all these details about the event in the passage. The only way that we have what occurred um, in the Bible context is because Philip shared this. Like, so these are all details that Philip knew. So this isn't just um, the, the, the author's guess as to all the things that were happening. You know, Philip obviously shared um, his experience and all the information that he, had, he garnered as he was um, sharing with that person. Um, can anyone think of a time where um, they may have been paying attention to things that were going around them and had an opportunity to, to engage with somebody just based off of something you saw? It's good if it causes you to kind of think through the moment um, because we, we often t- will many times miss that. I uh, think anytime, like a traumatic event happens, mm-hmm. or like if you see somebody have a car accident or a fall or something like that, I think those like are kind of like triggers where people hmm, might wonder, you know, um, I wonder what this person is thinking like at a funeral or something like yeah. that. Or something. Yeah, good. Using Using just things that happen, whether it's an accident or um, someone getting hurt, you see that happening, um, yeah, we should stop. We should be prayerful, um, but we should also be looking at the people involved. You know, we, we as believers are focused on the people that are around us, people that we know, people that we don't know. Um, having a heart towards um, being able to share the gospel and the same um, light of Christ that we have ourselves received. So, yes, definitely that. Um, so, yeah. Philip was observant um, as he traveled. Um, Philip was also attentive to the Spirit. Philip was attentive to the Spirit. Um, And I didn't notice this the first time I read the passage um, a long time ago, but in studying this, you see see a difference here. Uh, In in, chapter 8, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes uh, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So... Initially, an angel, an actual angel, came to Philip um, and told him, hey, go from where you are in Jerusalem down to Gaza. Later on, though, we see in verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So the angel spoke to Philip initially, but who spoke to Philip the second time? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? He was listening and being attentive to the Holy Spirit. Um, Quite often... When we're not walking by the Spirit, when we're not attentive to uh, the Spirit's leading as we're traveling, we miss opportunities. Um, think of how often um, you might have felt a, nu- a, a nudge or a pull to go and approach somebody, and you just kind of ignore, you waved it off. Like I don't feel, I don't feel like it in this moment. Um, we ignore the Spirit's leading um, in that moment. Philip did not do that. Philip was attentive to what the Holy Spirit was telling him in that moment. And that's a good thing for us to remember that as we're traveling, as we're going, that we as believers should always be attentive to what the Holy Spirit's leading is. Um, You know, sometimes it it, it shows itself in a lot of different ways, Um, sometimes it's a subtle leading, like, hey, I think I should talk to that person. Sometimes it's, hey, you need to go talk to that person. Whatever form that takes, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit in that moment um, and engage with people when we're led to do that. yeah, we, we, we don't know what opportunities we miss when we're not doing that. Um, I'll even confess, yesterday I was um, taking uh, one, of, one of our cars to go get a, an oil change in the morning, and I had to stop and get gas first, so it's cold. I'm cold. I just I want to get back in the car. I want to get warm. Um, and a car drives up, and this guy pulls up at the pump next to me. And when you're at the gas station, you don't think about the fact that you're pumping gas, someone else is pumping gas. They're not going anywhere. They're not, they're not going to suddenly decide, you know what, I just started. I'm just going to put it away and leave. You have a couple minutes to talk to that person. I was cold and I just, and I felt like, hey, you should just say something. And I didn't because I wanted to get back in the car. And, I, and the moment I got in the car um, and the guy drove off like qu- soon afterwards, I immediately felt like, oh, I missed an opportunity. Um, and that was good for me even in the moment to realize, Yeah, I missed that. I need to pray and repent. And then the next time I have that, I I, I should not ignore it. I should actively act on that. I mean, that was, yeah, that was a good reminder for me in the moment that you don't know what opportunities you're going to be presented with. um, But the one thing that you do know is that if you are attentive to the spirit and you're listening, um, you will certainly have more doors open to you.
2: kind to me during very difficult period uh, of my life, Just left her husband, and um, and I've been really convicted to talk to her about it, and and at the risk of friendship, I really laid it out there and and talked to her about that, and invited her to come here and talk talk to folks and talk to folks about changing her perspective on it, because the situation is not easy for her, but. But I just, and I got the smackdown. And, and I don't even feel like I <coughs> planted a seed. But I, I think, I, I really do think if God, if you're really getting that nudge to, to say something and speak the truth into a difficult situation, that God will use that somehow. And, but it was just really disappointing. And, um, but but I, I don't regret doing that you know? But yeah. I yeah, it's
0: hard. Yeah, I mean, one thing about being attentive to the Spirit is that we, we never know the outcome. And really, the outcome is not our goal. Like, it's we should be less concerned with what happens event, based off of uh, what we're saying or sharing to that person and more concerned with obedience to God and His Word. Um, because you don't know what God's plans are for that interaction. Um, some people have had dozens or hundreds of gospel interactions with believers and people throughout years so that God can bring them to a saving knowledge of Himself. And you don't know what part you have to play in that. The only part that you know is that when God in that moment, when the Holy Spirit of God encourages you to approach someone or to say something or to address something that you see, we're called to be obedient. We're called to say, yes Lord, here I am. Um, And when we do that, um, we can have a moment where 15 years later um, after after we are gone and people are, are proclaiming God's faithfulness in our lives, someone can say, "Hey, I had this one interaction, and this is what God did um, through that person." So we don't need to see um, ultimately in that one conversation what's going to happen. We just need to realize that God wants us to do it for a reason. Um, and so, yeah, this this is a good example in God's word, and certainly every, <laughs> we had a couple even from what you're sharing, good examples of listening to God, to the Holy Spirit about different incidents uh, and interactions next we see from the passage that Philip was knowledgeable about the word Philip was knowledgeable about the word uh, could someone read first Peter 3 or yeah someone read first Peter 3 14 through 16
1: but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake uh, you will be blessed
0: So we see here from this passage in uh, 1 Peter 3, um, and this is something that you might have heard um, before, but we are called to always be prepared to make a defense um, to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Um, and, and part of that just involves reading the word, knowing the word. Um, one of the scary things that we can think about when we're uh, potentially sharing the gospel or sharing about our faith is, I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't know all of this. I'm not a, a Bible scholar. Um, and, and we approach that two ways, right? We, one, we do need to read our word more. We need to um, be acquainted with the text. We need to be prepared to give a defense uh, and a reason for the hope that we have in Christ, right? So we need to constantly be able to do that. Um, but we also need to realize that wisdom comes from God, that in that moment, we need to pray for wisdom. Um, but it's helpful when you do know the word. And so this is encouragement for us as we're thinking about and preparing to witness faithfully to those that we come in contact with um, as we're traveling or even as we're here, we should know the word. Um, We see in this passage that uh, the the Ethiopian eunuch was was reading from the word, you know, he was reading the Bible and he was in this passage and he didn't understand it. And so he had Philip there and Philip, what did he do? What did he do with the text? What does it say he did? explained it to them. This is what we do as believers. We open the text, we read it, and we talk about it, and we explain it. We expound upon the truth of the word, Um, and that's something we need to be prepared for. Even if, think about it like this, even if you may not fully understand a particular text, you can open it, and you can read it with somebody. You can talk about what you see, Um, and so you're not always going to have an opportunity Uh, where you meet somebody that's not a believer and they have a Bible open and you can just do a Bible study impromptu right there. That's not always going to be the case. Um, But you don't know in what way or regard that you might start talking about something and they might hit on a particular subject and you know in the Bible where where you can kind of go to and talk about it and you can open that up and discuss that with them. So uh, we see in the text that Philip was knowledgeable about the word um, and that is something that we should also um, be looking to do.
1: Just one uh, observation as well. Uh, Philip was knowledgeable, but Philip didn't hear him uh, reading from Isaiah 53 and run up and, and say, hey, man, let me tell you about that. He asked him a question. He no. said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And, and that's kind of really helpful. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking that we need to jump in with the answers, just asking questions, you know, uh, you know helps kind of draw the person out, kind of keeps the ball in their court, and kind of helps us understand where they're coming from. Yeah uh, before we jump in with all our, <laughs> yeah, know. and then that could open up, oh, the Lord direct you to say, you know, let's deal with this or, you know, yeah. so I thought that was
0: good. Yeah, that, that's a good point. We shouldn't, we shouldn't immediately jump to preaching a sermon to someone that we, we meet like, oh, I see you reading that. Let me tell you that's, that should not, not be our necessarily our, our response or approach to it. Um, Yeah, we we should ask questions. We should try to engage with them because you don't know what's going on in their life right right at that moment. You don't know what questions they might be thinking about or have. Um, And so whatever they're doing, whatever they might be reading, whatever they might be talking about or or dealing with, it's good to ask questions, Um, especially when you are kind of out and traveling. You don't, you really don't know into what context you're engaging with that person. Um, it's different when you're kind of engaging with a relational evangelism, it's a friend or a neighbor. You might have some background as to what's going on in their life. Um, a lot of times when you're sharing your faith and you meet somebody in the metro um, or uh, on a plane, you, you just don't know, you have no context whatsoever. And so we should definitely err on the side of, like you're saying, asking a lot of questions, trying to get some more information as we attempt to, to share you know, the truth of the gospel with them. Um, The last thing I'll point out is that Philip was completing his witness. So he was completing his witness. Um, And and that one, you know, I kind of had myth-giving about it because we don't always get the chance to share the whole gospel with people that we might meet. Um, Somebody might be having to to run. They might have to leave really quickly. Uh, You might be cut off. Uh, and so you may not get the chance to do it. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily feel like you fail when you may not get a chance to share everything with somebody that you come in contact with. God can certainly use um, whatever you get a chance to share um, with somebody ultimately for, for his, his glory and that person's good. However, our aim should always be to share the gospel. It should be to share um, the reality of man being separated from God, um, our need for a savior apart from ourselves because of our sin. Um, The fact that our sin has separated us from a holy God and because of our sin, um, we have an eternal punishment stored up for it. Um, But that because of Christ and what he has done on our behalf, um, we who profess him and acknowledge him as Lord, Savior can be saved. And then ultimately um, calling for a response to right. We can't forget that the, the gospel message, requires a response everyone responds to the gospel and so in our engagement interactions we want to get to that point where we we want to encourage people to respond to the message of the gospel Um, and we see here that oh this the 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 Ethiopian he had a response you know he he went through the whole gospel and he sees water he says why can i not be baptized that was his response to the truth of the gospel philip brought him all the way there Um, and so our goal when we are evangelizing in any scenario, um, and even when traveling, is that we are complete in our witness, that we desire to share um, the whole gospel with people um, and encourage them to respond to what they hear. Um, has anyone have, ha- ever had a situation where they you know, started sharing their faith, um, started sharing the gospel, and they did not get a chance to
1: finish?
2: Um, I actually got into an inter- interaction with a professor where she was actually wanting me to go take the approach of like a non-denomin- non-denominational approach instead of using my faith and my um, beliefs um, and biblical like scripture. She was actually wanting me to take the approach of including like Muslims and everybody else, and not so much evangelizing. Mm-hmm. So. I guess the question is, what do you do in a situation like with a professor, where you trying to evangelize in a way, but you're
0: basically blocked? <laughs> yeah, um, you know that, that 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 can be tricky, um, depending on who you're dealing with or who who you're interacting with, whether it's a professor or a boss or a coworker at work that you um, may be constrained with. Um, but ultimately, my you know what what I always see from Word and. What I've seen many faithful people do is you just you just want to be obedient um, to the Bible and try to share um, the truth of the word and whatever scenario is. So even if someone may be looking for uh, you to provide a different answer, um, a lot of people, they're not they're not looking for um, the Bible or the gospel from you. They might want some other kind of advice or or statements from you. Uh, But you should determine that you would only know Christ and Christ crucified in your heart. Um, that that is the only power uh, unto God for salvation. That there is nothing else um, out there apart from Christ that can save. Um, and when you have that strong of a conviction, then you just you kind of resolutely continue to go back to it. So um, you definitely don't want to ignore what someone else is saying or how they might be thinking. But you do ultimately want to try to go back to, to, to that. Yeah. Um, anyone else have any other comments?
1: For 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 sort of more long-standing relationships, which I guess is not quite the travel situation yeah. we're talking about, but I think there is sort of a, a time and a place. So like if you know if I'm at my
0: law firm, for instance, and somebody is you know hurriedly trying to finish a project that's due to
1: be filed that evening, like I think it would be a, it would be like it would be harmful to the gospel for me to try to like interrupt them and like in that time or at at the workplace try to talk with them about it. Um, but if you
0: so like or maybe in the classroom, like if something else is happening, you know it would be. Probably harmful to try to interrupt. But if you have a long-standing relationship, then maybe after class, or um, you know, in a, at a different time and place, you can go back to the person and explain what you yeah. were thinking. So there, it might be more wisdom there about yeah. when is the right time to approach. Uh, that yeah, and, and going back to a previous part, um, it's also you know, we, uh, clues into being attentive to the spirit. You know, we should constantly, constantly be praying without ceasing. We should be praying. God, is, is, is this, this is the time? Should, should, I, should I say that now? Should I approach that situation now? And sometimes it'll be, wait, this is not the, the best time. Um, sometimes it'll be, yes, you, you, should, you should move. So we should be in a constant uh, kind of place of prayer as we're thinking about evangelizing so that we know when we should actually do that.
3: go write a paper and make copies is back in the days of paper and then he would hand it out to everybody in the class and the professor hated it. He did that all year. Well at the end of the year somebody finally responded so the professor gave them the floor so he got to debate and he got to hand out more than a carpenter to everybody in that class. And so I don't know how the professor ever I mean if we went by what the professor wanted he wouldn't have said. It. Yeah. But because he was obeying God in the household situation I think people he heard it.
0: Yeah and, and and really, we that that just goes back to the fact that we don't know what the outcome will be of when we share. Um, one one thing I love about this particular passage in the Bible, um, and we we just don't know it for certain, but uh, there are a couple church traditions hold that this uh, particular eunuch he went and he immediately began to preach the gospel where he was, and that there was a an outpouring of evangelism and Christianity in his area. Um, to, Some people have even said that the current church in Ethiopia um, today is directly uh, aligned from this guy that heard the gospel from Philip. Now, we just don't know if that's true. So uh, just be honest, we don't know. But I love the fact that Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what happened. We don't know the effect that this particular incident had. And you don't know the effect um, that your one moment of engaging with somebody will have. If, if Christ should tarry for another 100 years, another 1,000 years, you don't know if that one interaction you had with somebody at a coffee shop springs a 1,000 people hundreds of years from now that were led to the gospel because of that one interaction. You don't know. Um, in glory, when we see things fully, we may be privy to what the effects of our gospel witness um, had. We, we may see that, and that will cause us to rejoice and praise God all the more. Um, But here today, because we are so limited in our understanding and view of what the effects are, we're just called to be obedient. We're just called to share the gospel because we don't know what will happen. Um, And God will use his word um, in in whatever way he he, he pleases. Um, I do want to go on to the next section, but any other observations from this passage? I only listed four, but there are many others that people see um, that yeah, inform or or, or spur a thought in them when it comes to um, evangelizing or or sharing the gospel while traveling. Any observations from this passage? All right, um, so I do want to talk next about four ways to better evangelize while traveling. Four four ways to better evangelize while traveling. Um, The first thing you want to do is prepare before you travel prepare before you travel, right? So we, we prepare for a lot of things that we, we, do, we do, whether it's a project at work, um, whether it's um, getting ready for the school day or, or year, um, but we quite often don't prepare ourselves to potentially um, share what we know about God when we hit the road each day, right? That's, that's just not on our mind. When you are traveling for work or whatever you're, wherever you're going, you're not thinking about, hey, how can I, how can I pre- be preparing myself now um, before I go on this trip, and so what does that look like? It could it could look as, like as simple as making sure that you're praying before you go, praying for opportunities um, to share your faith. Um, maybe it's that you are reading um, before you go um, more fervently because you want to be prepared, you want to be filled with the Spirit, so that you can be more attentive to those that you come in contact with. Um, maybe you're packing things for your travel that will assist you. Um, I don't know if you're a track person, but if you are, you can. Make sure you're, you're ha- you have tracks with you in every travel. Um, maybe it's you're taking a book with you um, that you can just be reading on a bus or a plane. I've had several conversations with people based off of them just seeing a book that I'm reading. Um, and so that's just a, another way that you prepare before you travel, making sure you have what you need um, so that you are better situated to share your faith when you are actually on the road. Um, another thing that you want to do is you want to pray while you travel. First, First Thessalonians 5.17, uh, Garrett referenced it uh, some weeks ago. Anybody know that verse? Have it memorized? Anyone? Pray without ceasing. There you go. Pray without ceasing. There's no, if, if you haven't learned a verse today, it's First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Um, and it's that the believer should have a constant um, posture and position of praying for the things that you see, for the people you interact with, interact with for situations that you're in. You, we should be praying constantly. Um, and while we're traveling, we are praying for what we see, for who we interact with. You're at the, ca- hey God, I, I, let me just pray for, I, I pray for this person, I don't know what they're dealing with. Um, God, if you so see fit, give me an opportunity to share the hope that I have. Um, and if they are struggling with something, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. What, what, however you do it, we should be praying while we're traveling. What that does is a couple things. One. God loves prayers. He hears our prayers. Um, and whatever we ask uh, in his will, that he is, he is faithful to answer those things. But two, when you pray and when you're constantly praying, what effect does that have on you? Anyone, what effect does it have on you when you are constantly praying? Humble. Hmm?
2: humble.
0: You're, you're more humble in situations, definitely. When you approach a holy God, you can, you, that only brings about humility in us. What else? You're, you're definitely listening to the spirit more. Like when you just have a posture of praying, you can be more attentive. When you're not praying, you're, you're not listening. You're, you're, it's harder for you to listen. What else?
1: Dependency
0: upon, upon God. You are more dependent upon God. Like you realize that I just, I have no power. Like it, it, is, it is comforting for you to realize that I have no power um, within me. I have to go to the, so, the source of all power to be able to do the great work that He has with within us, so you are you are much more dependent upon God when you are constantly praying. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to represent God well while you travel. You want to represent God well while you travel. How much more difficult is it for you to witness and evangelize to people when you just blew up at the baggage claim, or you just had a really angry interaction with your kids, or? Um, You were just rude to somebody or you're ignored. We got to remember that we are ambassadors, right? We are here. This is not our home. Um, And just like any good ambassador, we should always desire to be a good representative of the person that we are from. And so that's a reminder that as we are going, um, as we are traveling wherever God has us, we should be constantly trying to represent the person from whom we come. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Can someone read that? Ephesians four, one through
1: three. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Hmm.
0: And then I'll read uh, 2 Corinthians five twenty. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Um, We are ambassadors for Christ and God, he is making his appeal through us. So just remember that, just, I am an ambassador. Wherever you go, I am an ambassador. Um, I should be representing God. Then we'll we'll have moments where we we might be weak, we might be angry, we might be tired, Um, but how you act how you act and respond def- definitely affects your ability to be a faithful witness to God. And you you can you can have a situation where you don't re- represent God well um, at a at a bus terminal or when you're on a metro platform and you get in a train and you're right next to somebody that, that just witnessed what you did. And then you say, "Hey, I want to tell you about God." You can imagine how that might might translate. So we just remember that we're about to. But that doesn't mean that. If you do have an incident where you may not represent God well, that you have an out that, oh, well, I already blew up. I can't, I shouldn't do this. No, um, we as believers should also be um, repentant and uh, humble. And hey, you know what? I apologize. I did this. Um, this is not who I should be. Um, I, God, God has still is doing a work within <laughs> within me. And so, hey, i apologize if you saw this. Um, I, I want to represent God well. And just what a, what a testament to um, who we are as believers to be repentant in that moment. Remember, God always works in spite of us, not because of us, right? It's, it's never because you were just so amazing that God's able to share the gospel. It's always in spite of um, our failings. Um, and then lastly, we want, we want to become bold while you travel. You want to become bold while you travel. Uh, Romans 10, 13 through 15, I'll, I'll read that for the sake of time. Uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Uh, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I mean, what that boils down to is how can someone hear the gospel if, if someone's not actively reaching and proclaiming it? Um, you know, it, it, in some ways it's easier to just witness while we're going because we, we may never see this person again. That's your opportunity to, if you're shy, if you're hesitant, if you are scared. One, you should be actively trying to overcome that, but you're never, you might honestly never see this person again. Um, you have the opportunity to just lay it out there and share the hope that you have. And so you should endeavor to become bold um, while you travel because you just have a unique opportunity that God places before you um, to share the truth of God's word. Um, In the last bit of time here, I do want to jump into four reasons we don't evangelize while traveling. Four reasons why we don't evangelize while traveling. One reason why we don't do it is we're tired. We're tired. Um, I I, kind of painted that illustration at the beginning of all the traveling that Philip did to point out that he was tired. And it is real. Like, Sometimes you might have a couple hours of sleep the night before, and you suddenly have to get on a plane, and you just you just carved out that time. You put that block on your calendar, like, "Hey, this is my nap time. I am going to sleep because I need it." God knows us; he he knows our inner beings. <laughs> he knows how tired we are, and so there there are times for rest, and there are times where you do need it. Um, but that does not necessarily remove the responsibility and call we might have in a moment to to be a, a witness, and so. Now, I would just encourage you that when you are tired, that you are still being attentive to the Spirit, that you're still listening and looking out for opportunities to share, realizing that God may use that very, that very situation in your tiredness to refresh you. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced it where you might be tired and then you actually get to, to share the gospel or you get to talk about God's Word. And at least for me, I've had times where I, w- I come out of a conversation more refreshed than I did before. Um, you'd be amazed how that happens, that God... In, his ultimate sovereignty refreshes you in your tiredness when you're obedient to him. That's not always the case. Sometimes you might engage and you are just exhausted afterwards. God is faithful in that moment, too. Um, ultimately, we just need to depend upon him. Um, another reason why we don't evangelize while traveling is we're scared of talking to strangers. We're t- scared of talking to strangers. Once again, that is something that is real. It's true. Um, Psalm 118:6. 6. Psalm 118, 6, 1186. The Lord is on my side; I will not fear. What can man do to me? I love that passage. What What can this person that you never met do to you? Um, we a lot of times fear reject, rejection. We fear um, what that might, person might say to us. We um, we in our, our minds come up with the worst case scenario. Hey, I'm going to witness, and the person's going to punch me in the face. Whatever, whatever you whatever that you think of in that moment. I, there was actually this uh, funny video that came out years and years ago of uh, of. Reasons why we don't evangelize, or think, or, or, or reasons why we're scared to evangelize, and it's just God just going through different scenes of worst case scenarios of people doing stuff to him when he started talking about God, and getting, <laughs> getting punched or getting yelled at or all kinds of things, and we do that in our heads, right? We we imagine what could happen, um, but ultimately we are called to remember that um, we should not fear man that can only destroy the body, um, and we, that we don't. I mean, ultimately, we don't have a fear of God to destroy our soul because we have trusted in him, uh, but we still are, we, ha- we have a reverent fear of our, our maker and that we, are, we want to be obedient to him above our fear of man and people because ult- ultimately, they can't do anything to you. Um, another thing that we do is we don't know how to start a conversation. We don't know how to start a conversation. Have you ever had a situation, situational moment where you feel the spirit's leading, you desire to do it, and you look at them and you're like, you're sudden, suddenly stricken um, with with the inability to speak. We don't know what to say. Um, we should be praying for wisdom in those moments, asking God once once again, dependent upon Him for what we should say, um, and then we should be actively developing ways in which we can, we can start conversation with people don't know. I mentioned before I, l- I like to travel with books because it gives people a chance to see what I'm reading. Also, I mean, I don't mind looking over like, oh, I see you're reading that. I was on a plane once and a guy was reading a book about art. I don't know a lot about art. I just don't. I, c- I just, if you asked me who the great artists were in, in Europe in the 1800s, I would not be able to name them for you. But I can ask questions like, hey, what, uh, what is it you're reading? Um, tell me a little bit about it. Um, what interest do you have in the subject? You just, um, you want to ask questions about what, they're, what they might be doing or what they're engaged with, um, and including what you, know, what you might share what you're doing because that, that's a good way of just a springboard of engaging with people while you're traveling. How do you do that without the
2: appearance of being nosy?
0: <laughs> you, you maybe not have to be able to do it without the appearance. That's okay, it's, it is okay to be nosy for God. It just, it, it is, and that's all I can say. Like. I, I initially felt a little weird saying, oh, hey, what's that book you're reading over there? But you ultimately, you realize that this is about the gospel. This is about God's glory, right? This is about sharing it. So you might, you might be a little nosy. It's okay. It's fine.
2: You know, I travel, I've traveled a bunch, in, and just what Lewis, Lewis said about um, is asking questions. You know, people are on their way somewhere. They're about to meet someone or they've just left somewhere. And people love to talk about themselves and what they've just done. You know, if you lead with questions, then it's, I love having conversations with people when I travel because it's, it's, it's a freebie. If you mess up, it doesn't matter. And, <laughs> you know, and, and also, with email and text and stuff, if you can make a connection in that abbreviated time, you can reach out to that person afterwards and follow up, and yeah. and they can have a source of gospel teaching and leading where it's safe to ask all their silly questions if they don't know anything about the gospel. And, yeah. and that I mean I think a lot of people would love to have somebody to talk to about the gospel where where it doesn't matter if they you know it's not part of their circle. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. This isn't this isn't um, the the time in which Philip was. We see Philip where. After the incident, the Holy Spirit pulls him up and transports him, and he never sees this guy again, right? You can connect with people. We live in a global world where email connects people that live thousands of miles away, right? A phone call is easy. You can. There are different ways, so you don't know if you'll be able to follow up with that person, but you, you know, you can be an avenue for them, um, and so we should just take that opportunity to do that. Um, if you don't know how this conversation, one thing that anyone can do is say, "Hey." This might be a little weird, but I'm a Christian. I like to pray for people. Is there anything I can pray for you for? I've I started conversations just like that. If I, if I don't know what to say, this person, I have no idea anything about them. I can just ask them, is there anything I can pray for you for? And you would be surprised how people open up in that moment. They could very well say, you know what? I don't, I don't have anything. That's fine. It's okay. But they could, you, that could be the moment in which God opens them up and you just have things pouring out. Um, the, that's just a few things. Uh, the, the, the main thing is that you just, you attempt to, um, you try to start that conversation, you develop ways in which you can engage with people that you maybe don't know, um, ultimately realizing that um, you don't have to do it perfectly. Um, very few people are really good at it, um, myself included. You just have to desire to be faithful and see how God changes you over time. He will, if you endeavor today to begin to sh- be a faithful witness to God and sharing your faith, God will grow you in it. He will, I promise you. If you start, you will grow in that area. You can't help but grow. God will develop you in that area. Um, and the last reason we don't evangelize while traveling is we're distracted. Um, we're distracted by uh, maybe things that are going on around us, we're distracted by what, what we're leaving behind, um, things that what we're dealing with in our own lives, we're distracted by our phones. Uh, I don't know if you take a flight and you just pull up your playlist of movies you're going to watch and hey, this is what I'm going to watch or this is what I'm going to read and this is my focus and you just ignore the world around you. The world in today's age desires to provide an unlimited stream of things to distract you um, and we should ultimately push those things away so that we can focus on what's important. It's God, his glory, and those that he's placed around us to care for. Um, Hebrews 12.1. Let's
2: only read Hebrews 12.1.
0: And so that passage, you know, we, we typically think about the sins that we should be laying aside, but the, there's also another word there, a separate word weight. And those are things that would desire to encumber us from being able to run the race well um, that God has placed before us. So those could be things that are distractions that may not necessarily in themselves be sinful, but they may prevent you from running the race that God has laid before you. And part of our race, part of our race, every one of us, if you, ca- you profess Christ as Lord, part of your race, is being a disciple maker. Sharing the gospel. That is part of the race that we run. And if you have things, weights that would prevent you from doing that, what are we called to do? What are we called to do? Remove them, right? We should seek to remove distractions that would keep us from being a gospel witness to those that we might come in contact with. Am I saying you need to only bring your Bible and a, a book about God every time you travel. And, hey, I'm just, I'm going to read these and look for the opportunity. Maybe not necessarily. If Certainly, if, if God leads you that you need to do that, you should be doing it. Um, but what I am saying is that whatever we're bringing with us, whatever we engage with, we don't allow it to be a distraction from noticing the world around us, noticing the people around us, being attentive to the Spirit. These things can dull our senses to be able to hear out from Uh, hear from the uh, voice of God that in that moment might be leading us to speak with someone or engage with somebody. So don't allow distractions to do that. And one reason why we don't do that, the primary reason is since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, um, I can imagine Philip up there, just he's one of the people surrounding us, watching us as we run our race um, and, and striving to be faithful witnesses for God. You can think about the countless numbers of believers throughout time. Um, are part of this, this cloud of witnesses that have faithfully proclaimed God's word um, in their lifetimes. And now they are encouraging us all the more to be faithful witnesses to God. So we are to remember that as we are traveling about in, in this world, as we are um, desiring to, to please God in our actions, that there are people that for thousands of years have, have striven to the same thing that we are doing, which is, to, to lead life to please God and to proclaim um, who God is. So we're not doing it alone, right? As you're traveling, you may think about yourself just being alone in that moment um, with that person, but you're not alone. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that have done the same exact thing that we're doing. Um, and we're, we're called to, to, to continue on in that, that same line. Um, I know we had to rush through that last part. Any other comments? Um, anything that you can think of, other reasons why you don't evangelize while traveling? You have one or two? A lot of times we're running late and so our focus is not at all on anybody else. I found like if you purposely go thirty minutes early then you can let
3: other people go in front of you
2: in line, you can help families with kids, like it's much more available when you're not late and
0: you're actually early. Yeah. That 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 goes into that that, that preparing part, like (laughs) I, am I intentionally trying to make sure I leave some extra time in case God gives me an opportunity? Am I, am I being intentional that way? That, that, I mean, that's a great point. We should be intentional with how we're preparing before we travel because we don't know what God's going to make available for us. I, I, anything else? Any other things that you can think of of reasons why we may not evangelize while traveling? Um, for the last minute, and we're over one minute, but a, any. As we're t- we talked about evangelism while traveling, I didn't want to just share only experiences or thoughts that I have. Can you think of or share um, some tool or thing that you've done while, you're t- while you travel that has helped you in engaging or interacting with somebody that you, you, you don't know? A- anyone? Because so we have one, but I just want to open up the floor to, to share that. There you go. Just, if if you want, you should bring candy and offer it to strangers, because <laughs> that might be the door to open the gospel. I mean, we say it in jest, but you don't know what God can and will use, and I'm certainly sure. So that, yeah, that that that's really good. Um, Okay, all right. Um, we are over time, so we'll go ahead and close out in a word of prayer. Um, Renzo, would you mind praying for us?
1: Thank you, God, for this time. I pray that we may uh, remember all these things that we learned. I pray that we may evangelize while traveling. Lord God, I pray that your Spirit may work in us and that we may be obedient to the calling, to the nudge of the Spirit. Lord God, help us, Lord God, because these souls. Uh, We'll go to one place where there's no no love and no God. So help us evangelize and love. Lord, I pray. (coughs) Amen. Amen.